Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Free Hit Podcast by Oxfordshire Cricket. For our returning listeners, um, we are really pleased that you can join us again for another episode. And for those new listeners tuning in for the first time, we hope that you find today's episode of interest. This week we're joined by George Tate. For a number of parents and players within the county, uh, it's a recognisable name, having been involved with the Oxfordshire pathway um, for a number of years through his journey and then over the last few years progressing into the county men's second and first team. I'm sure those club players out there will also recognise George's name having competed against him on the pitch. And for those who obviously don't know George, we hope that this will be um, an interesting conversation that may reflect some similar experiences with uh, parents and, and kids in the system but also players with the same aspiration as George has to, to try and become the best that they can. So, George, I'm really pleased that you've been able to, to join us on the podcast. Thanks very much uh, for your time. So, mate. Thank you very much for having me. How have you been coping with the, the challenges that we're all facing at the moment? Um, I, I've, I've not been too bad, mate, because I, I got back from Australia literally two weeks before we went into lockdown. And then um, as soon as I heard that we were going into lockdown, I was like, right, I'm He's got to do something, so I went went and got a job. So I've been spending all my time working in a factory. So it's not been it's not been too tough mentally. Um, it's my first proper full time job, so I'm a bit more tired than than I have been usually. But yeah, it's it's nothing really to complain about. So it certainly sounds like you've been uh, keeping yourself busy and a bit of a diff- uh, cultural change from coming over from Australia back. Yeah, to, absolutely. Back to the UK. I know, following on Strava, that you're also quite active in the. And your physical side of things as well. Um, yeah, I well, that was just a thought for me. Where I was, I was thinking about that. Actually, came from that was driven by cricketing sort of um, perspective. I was thinking about a lot, a lot of times last year. Um, I'd get out in sort of twenties and thirties, and I was thinking about different factors. And the last thing for me was concentration. I felt like I got to twenty thirteen, I sort of lost concentration a little bit. I lost focus, and it didn't matter how much I tried to actually focus on the cricket it just wouldn't work. And so I was thinking it must be, it must be a, like a fitness thing. I need to, I need to be more, I need to have more endurance. And so I was like, I'll just, I'll, I'll try and get some kilometers in my legs. Um, and that's really been helping. I, I think, cause I can now, I can now concentrate for long periods of times on those runs. And I think that will mirror a batting scenario. I think. It'd be really interesting to see when we hopefully get some cricket in the not too distant future, whether all those, Hours pounding the pavements yeah. will, will really help you from, from a physical and also from a performance perspective as yeah. well. I absolutely um, hope so. If it's, if it's not, then I'm going to be pretty naffed off. No, I think it will be. Having seen some of the times that you're posting, I'm sure it's going to be a, a benefit. Thank you, mate. Um, I think for, for this uh, podcast, it'd be really interesting to start just with a bit of a background on your early years playing the game, but also... Um, potentially time spent playing other sports too. So mm-hmm. if if you don't mind starting, it'd be good to take us back to the early uh, years of George Tate and how, yeah. how did you end up falling in love with, with the game? Where did it all begin? Uh, so in terms of cricket, where I first started playing cricket, my, my first memory was um, uh, in primary school, we had um, a, a couple of chances to start, chance to shine sessions and um 
the coach was was Neil Megson, who's done a lot of stuff. He doesn't do as much anymore, but did a lot of stuff with the Oxfordshire Youth Pathway stuff at the time. And he just came to my primary school um, and and started running a cricket session. And, and it was it was diamond cricket, and that still that game diamond cricket still has a massive nostalgic place in in for me, um, just because that was the first my my first experience of cricket. Um, and so I just love that. And then that's I then got into Banbury Cricket Club through that because Neil, the coach, was um, was a player at Banbury. So he got me down and I started playing. And must have, I was in primary. So I, I think my first session was for the the um, the multi-skills, which is like equivalent to the under sevens before you even go to actually any cricket. Um, and then from there, I just fell in love with the game. Just um, I couldn't I couldn't name one thing. I think um l- if I was to actually analyse it, I'd have to say something along the lines of how it's it's very complex. It's it, there's lots of layers to it, so you never really get bored of 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 playing it over and over again. I think that's a massive factor for me. Um, and and the the tactics that you have to have to succeed at high level, you can't just you know be able to hit the ball as far as you can. You have to um, yeah. So that that was something that that really um, was was appealing to me. So how old were you when you? Um, when you were experiencing Chance to Shine? Uh, I was thinking I must have been um, six or seven. Yeah, it was six or seven. Um, and I, yeah, I got, I got, I got an, uh, like this award for the Chance to Shine. I, I, I couldn't tell you what it was, but it, it, I got like a little um, wooden sort of plaque thing and I was just chuffed to bits and I was like, oh, I can't stop playing cricket now. I'm hooked. And what was that? early journey like obviously at some point transitioning into into hardball cricket yeah um i think one the the atmosphere at banbury was a massive thing and they gave they gave me a sense of um a sense of someone like the coaches were all and this is something they still do now the co- the coaches were all um players at the club on a saturday they they have a rotor there so so some weeks you know you could have um all, all the players um, from the first team, who everyone knows their name, all, all coaching you, and that—that's something that I really enjoyed because that was—they—they they were the people that I looked up to um, at the time, and sometimes we'd even have our overseas um, at a training session um, co- coaching us, and so that was a massive thing for Banbury. And then I loved the atmosphere on a Friday night. Uh, you know, you had all the parents there. It was like it was almost like. You know, far, the parents were really keen to get down there to go and have a glass of wine, and the kids were really keen to go down there to 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 train. Then after training, everyone would always stay, and you'd go off into your friend groups and and play like mini games and stuff like that. Um, and so it was just the atmosphere of Banbury Cricket Club that I loved. Um, all of it, for like I said, from the coaches to the social atmosphere. So I didn't really clock yeah. when I was younger until I'm now actually thinking about it actively. Yeah, it sounds like a really good as you've mentioned atmosphere for a young player to begin or any player mm. both from a social element with friendship groups and the enjoyment of being there but also mm. from a skill development point of view and having people that you look up to to connect with some of those connections with the senior players who are overseas can be really powerful for the yeah. young players Absolutely. so what, what was next in that journey at some point in time you made a transition into the Oxfordshire player pathway mm-hmm. there's lots of players across the, the county will be inspiring to to do just talk us through your experiences there in, in, in those first steps okay uh so my first um year of trialing for 
for county cricket. I think it must have been under 11 season. Um, I didn't actually make it into anything. Um, I didn't make it into county or district initially. And then um, I was I was during the time of trialling and, and for the for the months after. I, I remember I was training um, at Daryl Woods. Um, Daryl Woods is he, he used. To, I'm not sure if he still does this, um, but he, he used to run a lot of a lot of sessions um, with like between four and eight eight kids on a on a Saturday morning. And I was going to them, and, and Matt Daryl's son was um, uh, was one of the coaches there, and he he then actually got me back into the district side. I have no idea how this happened. But I, um, I, was, I then found myself in the under 11s or under 12 season in the district side, and my first experience of it, I was really like, um, I, I, I batted 12 and bowled. I must have bowled two, three overs um, of some dodgy loopy offspin, which I have somehow managed to stick with to this day, um, and and wasn't really doing much. And it's been quite a quite a strange progression because I, I could then tell you every single year how I progressed within the side and then progressed on to the next side. Um, so do, do you want me to go into that? Yeah, it'd be really interesting yeah. just to, to talk about the that journey. So you've obviously started mm. 11s and 12s, found your way into the district, mm. bowling some, um, some off-spin as you described, some dodgy off-spin as you described, what's coming from, from you rather than me. Yeah. Great to see that you're still, you're still doing that. Um, when did it, then fall into what people know as county age group cricket. At what point in time did you make those steps? Um, okay, so my first season of county age group was under 14s, but prior to that, I, I really benefited from the, the best of district stuff. So my under 12 season, um, I played. Um, I had I played a larger role in the um, in the district side. I, I believe I might have been captain, but I'm not too sure. But I, I remember. Um, making the the best of district side um and then i was sort of almost like a like not a, not too much of a key player in that side in the best of district side for that that year and then the under 13 season i captain captain the side and played a much larger role from what i can remember obviously my memory could be distorted from um <laughs> yeah um and then the under forty, under thirteen season going on tour. That was a great tour. That was probably my my favourite memory of of youth cricket um, from my younger ages. Um, was that was that tour? Um, I remember our last game down in uh, down at Blackstone in Sussex. Um, I, I couldn't tell you the result for the life of me, but I just remember the photo on the end of it. At the end of it, sorry, which is no, it's still on my mum's my mum's credit card. She got the photo printed on the credit card, and it was a great experience. And then under fourteens was my first. Um, season of county cricket and it's it sort of followed that same pattern over the past couple of years of under 14 season I didn't really play too much of a of a big role um, I batted between six and eight um, every week and and if I was lucky I'd get a couple of overs of, of dodgy off spin um, and then under 15 season I progressed from that I mean we had a really strong side those two years I mean we had um, Ollie Price um, Ben Charlesworth who are now two pros at Gloucestershire so uh, learning from them in, in, in that size, even, even if I wasn't thinking about um, actively trying to learn from them, it was just subconsciously picking up the way those guys did things, uh, I think really helped me. Um, then under 50s, I... Sorry, go on, mate. I was going to ask you, so how did you feel about um, not playing, 
a huge role at some points in time. You've obviously spoken about being able to benefit from mm. the stronger, the strong players in those year groups of both of who you've mentioned yeah. have gone on to, to bigger things. How did you, how did you feel as a player at that time? Um, I'm 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 not gonna I'm gonna be completely honest here. I was really jealous, and I actually started. Um, I, I I hope I, I hope Ollie knows this, but Ollie was the captain at the time, and I actually started to, in my own head, dislike Ollie from from because I wasn't getting the opportunities that I want I wanted. I think I knew deep down that I probably didn't deserve them. So I was watching these guys that I I knew for a fact were better at cricket than me. And but I just I was really jealous, and that's an, oh, it's obviously quite a natural emotion to feel, especially for parents um, who want to go and see their kids play. But um, looking back at it, it is performance cricket. And now when I when I've played against Ollie a couple of times in the last two years, um, I, I feel quite guilty for that because I I, I I hope he didn't um, feel I, I disliked him for any real reason. Um, but yeah, that uh, that was a it was a tough that was a tough time. But I, it, that was in the under fourteen in the under fifteen season. I actually. Um, Won won the Player of the Year um, award, and that that was a that was a big moment for me because I was like, if I'm, like, I I that was me feeling like if I'm playing with these guys, these, these big big names, and I'm and I'm winning this award, I'm, I'm maybe not as useless as I as I thought. I, it's yeah, those years are a bit of an emotional roller coaster from jealousy to feeling like oh, maybe I'm genuinely not good enough to feeling okay, maybe I am. I actually think those reflections are. Are really mature and honest, um, mm. and I'll be in. And there's actually, I think there's no shame in that. I'd be really interested to know whether you think that that um, jealousy or desire to fulfil the same roles that those players were mm. did that develop a, a hunger, a change in mindset to yeah. then kick on and and get the Player of the Year award the following year. That's yeah. quite a big big jump. Do you think that played quite an important part oh, in that uh, absolutely absolutely I remember my mum saying to me when I, I, I was going home from a game and I was on the verge of tears and I thought, why am I not why am I not getting the opportunities blah 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 and my mum said to me she said in this situation you've got two opportunities you can either kick up a fuss and complain to the coaches and, and make yourself look like an idiot for not getting the opportunities or you can work your absolute socks off and make it impossible for them not to pick you and I and I knew as soon as she said that I knew which one I wanted to I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure that I was I was the obvious choice in in every side I played in to 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 play that key role. Um, how powerful was that moment? It sounds like it's testament to to your, the parental support that you've had to be able mm. to have those conversations. Was it, that, do you think quite a pivotal moment? Yeah, abso- absolutely. Me, me and my mum, I couldn't I couldn't number the amount of conversations that me and my mum have had of of similar effects of that you know that like being being sort of I, I I would describe my cricketing career so far as being almost there but not quite like I'm always comparing myself to you know the likes of Ollie the likes of Ben who are you know my age or uh, older in the age group but still in my sort of age bracket who are really really successful and I'm almost there but not not there and it's and uh, it's really sort it at times it's really degrading mentally and my mum my mum has been the massive, has been the huge, huge factor in saying you can either complain about it or you can just make, you can make it happen. You can make it the way you want to make it happen. Um, and that, yeah, those conversations have really been, I wouldn't be in the, the, um, 
sort of dedicated position that I am now where I still want to succeed massively if it wasn't for sort of those messages every every now and then when I'm feeling a bit a bit rubbish. I actually think that from a, a pathway a leadership perspective, that's really interesting for me. There's quite a lot of research that's out there for, that lots of people would have read and some people may not have done just yet that talks about uh, talent needing trauma or this rocky road for mm. for players through their pathway journey and it, it being really common that athletes uh, can develop sort of psychological resilience and toughness through some yeah. of those experiences um it sounds uh, to from your perspective that would very much be the case that some of those early those early experiences that you had have really shifted the mindset and that work ethic has sort of may have always been there. I didn't know you at that time, but that certainly probably enhanced that drive. I don't know whether you would. I would, yeah, I would definitely, uh, I would definitely agree with that, with that notion. Um, not just from a personal level, you, you, you could look up countless stories and I'm going to tie it back to, you guys know I love my basketball. You could look at countless stories of basketball players who have, who have you know, been dropped from sides, uh, not made the cut for sides in the first place, all of this stuff. And it, and it just makes them better. Um, and you've taken yeah, some inspiration from that, from those from the, stories. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, I mean, the, the obvious one is um, is the Michael Jordan one of of how he got cut from his from his high school basketball scene in, in his junior year. So when he was uh, sixteen, turning seventeen, um, and he had to play in, in essentially the second team. Um, and this guy is the greatest basketball player of all time, without question. Um, and you know you could ask the question. We'll never know the answer to this. But if if he'd have made that side and been and been um, you know one of the best players all the way through, would he have been as good at the end of his professional career? You know, it's a very very good question to ask. Um, so yeah, absolutely. As you I mentioned, think. it won't be one that we we know the answer to. Again, there's quite a lot of research that talks about those psychological characteristics for developing excellence in sport that come about through those pathway journeys mm. um, and actually that sort of non-linear pathway to the top yeah. is really is really important to the young players to deal with setbacks and absolutely and to be motivated to pursue their own uh, ambitions and and career path within the game mm. so i think we'll, we'll just we'll just move it on um mm-hmm. so you've won the player of the year under 15s yeah um where, where did where did the journey then take you from um, that point so interestingly enough just rewinding a tiny bit so the winter between the under 14s and 15 season i was in the um i was in the epp setup for that the first half of the winter up until christmas um and there was a system then where they've, they've now changed it is they had a, a larger squad up until christmas and then they cut it down at christmas um and I, um, I was in the squad until Christmas, and then got cut at Christmas, um, and didn't make the final final squad for the for the under 15 summer. So that that was almost a much bigger feeling of accomplishment for me when I won the Player of the Year. I was like, right, well, I've come from this position, you know, in January where I was feeling really, really rubbish, to feeling like I can um, I can perform in this side. And there was three or four players in that under 15 side who were still in the EPP. Um, so moving on to the end of 16 season, despite winning player of the year, I, I wasn't in the EPP again. Um, I, I, I didn't receive, I, I never had any feedback on why, why that was. 
Um, so I then went into the under 16s um, side, well, under 17s, but as an under 16, because it was at the time a two year thing. It's now a three year. Um, and I went in there and um, I was I was setting up to to sort of be to follow the trend of joining the side as almost like a role player, like, you, you, you know, like a second spinner, lower middle order batsman type type role. Um, and then um, I, I, over the winter, I worked really, really, really hard and, um, and got on really well with Daryl, the coach, and um, um, the, the captain of the side at the time. Um, can I mention names? Would it? Probably not. Yeah, you can do if, you, if um, you're happy to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at, at times, Archie, Archie Spittles, the, the captain, um, he'd just come back from, from an injury. I think it was a broken broken arm or something like that. And he was really struggling with his cricket um, to, to find a bit of form and, and to... I, I couldn't go inside his head, but maybe maybe re-find that love of the game after a long time out. Um, and so he, he withdrew from the side. Um, and so all of a sudden, I then became captain in this side where I was captaining a bunch of older lads... Um, in a side that I, I initially thought that I wouldn't really play too big a role in. Um, so that, that, that pretty much summed up my under-16 season. We, we, didn't, we, we didn't have too much success um, on the whole. Uh, there was quite a lot of individual success um, for, for a lot of different players. Um, I, I, I didn't have too much myself. I scored a couple of 50s, but I was yet to score my first ever 100 in any format for any team. Um, and... Um, but the captaincy, I learned a lot from that about about captaining a side because that was my my first real experience of captaining a side. Obviously, I, I couldn't really say it counts too much as an under as an under twelve and an under thirteen captaining side. I mean, it's, it, it's a lot it's a lot more to do um, as an under sixteen captaining a bunch of seventeen eighteen year olds than there is thirteen year old. Um, and that can be particularly difficult, especially at those age groups where a peer to peer recognition of fitting in with the group uh, was really important at that time. Yeah. Probably not so much in those younger years where players have shifted from from parents being there, sort of number one to coaches and then obviously the, the importance of fitting in with your peer group. So I understand mm. that the challenges that that can bring for the players of those ages. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and I I, I think it it must have been a strange feeling for the old lads, you know, having a younger lad who um, was probably not quite as as experienced as they were ha- having them captain aside, and I think that's what made it difficult. But that switched in the under seventeen year. I was captain again, and um, that year we had a load of success. Um, we you know we made the the national semis. Um, we came, I think, we came second in the in the Red Bull stuff. And just as a as a group of players, um, we fit really well together, and we could have a, a game where. You know, nobody had a real uh, outstanding performance and carried the side, but we would we would win comfortably just because we were such a tight unit. Um, and so that that made it a really easy side to captain. Um, and I had a bit more experience there. I was learning a bit more ta- bit more tactical stuff as a captain. Um, and yeah, and then after that summer, after that summer, um, I was then put back into the EPP as one of the older brackets of players it was my it was my last year it was the under 18s winter um and that that was when 
you, you'd probably talk about that non-linear thing. I'd almost, you know, got to a point in the EPP when I was 14, turning 15, and then dropped back down in my own estimation of myself and then come back up as a 17, 18 year old to be back in that same position. Um, and I, I knew from then I wanted to make the most of it. I wasn't going to mess it up like I did the first time because I, I, I remember distinctly missing two sessions. Um, one, because I was um, uh, ill, genuinely ill, and the other one because I was just um, feeling quite um, rubbish about my game, comparing myself to others. And I said, right, it, it doesn't doesn't matter this time around. It doesn't matter how I feel compared to the other players. Um, I am going to make myself good enough this time around. Um, and, hopefully and do you, you feel like... Um... I think that's again. It's it's really interesting. It's really honest and a really interesting point of conversation. Do you feel like you were more better prepared for the second time around? So I suppose what I'm asking is the not so pleasant experience of the first time. Did yeah. it help you when the second chance came round? Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I was I was a lot hungrier. I was a lot hungrier. I mean, I I, um, I think the first time round I was still you know, even though I'd, you know, joined sides and not been the best player and then and then worked my way up, I was still on a sort of what I would describe as, as a linear path. Uh, there was a general upward trend to the standard of cricket I was playing uh, and the general upward trend of how my own perception of myself, how it was, whereas, you know, it then gone back down after the under-15s and come back up. So I was a lot, a lot hungrier the second time round. That, that definitely led into the mental um, preparation aspect. I felt ready to to train like a pro, which is essentially what that EPP session sessions are. Are it's training like professional players for for um, a certain number of hours a week um, to try and get you to that point. Um, and I hope I hope you you coached a lot through that winter, Barnsley. I hope you could vouch for me in that situation. I I felt like I worked um, really really hard both in the, in the gym when we were in the weights room and when we were training in in the sports hall. Um, that hunger, I, I hope, was um, quite, quite evident. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. There's no questioning the, the work ethic and commitment that you displayed in those sessions, but also in general to the, the tasks that you set yourself for daily activities. That, Like we talked earlier on uh, with the running perspective. I think, again, it's, it's interesting in just comparing to the point you made about Michael Jordan. And if you'd been selected first time and been on, how that path may have looked different and being re-invited back at a slightly older age with that enhanced hunger and desire to want to train whilst it was further down the line than some other players mm. that would start EPP, it's, it's um, arguable that actually you were better positioned to really take advantage, to work hard, and actually benefit more than you may have done if you hadn't engaged in the same way uh, when you were younger. Um, I think it also leads down an interesting point to ask you: Would you would you say you are a late developer as a player, or do you feel like you've always just been you know, grafting away and it's just been naturally been sort of growing as you've as you've gone along? Um. That, see, I, I've thought about that question quite a lot in my own head. And, and I want to say, yes, I would definitely say I'm a late developer. But how much of me is saying that from a biased perspective of going, right, I'm not where I want to be. 
can I just pin it on the fact that I'm a late developer and I'm going to get there eventually? Um, or another part of me wants to go, maybe maybe you're not a late developer, maybe you're just not as naturally talented as some of these kids and you're going to need to get there just by working your ass off. Just because I'm not as naturally talented doesn't mean I'm going to stop. That's what that, that is, the, the regardless of the perspective I took, that was the, the one sort of notion that I always had in my head. Regardless of which answer is correct, I'm always going to work hard and try and get where I want to be. Um, but I, to answer your question simply, I would definitely say I have been a late developer simply because uh, of the last six months in Australia um, and, and actually the last three months of lockdown, I feel in a much better position after lockdown of not even playing any cricket over the three months. Um, I feel in a much better position. I feel a lot more comfortable about my game than I did when I came back from Australia or when I went to Australia, which would suggest that, you know, I've had sort of an exponential growth over a shorter period of time than I have over the whole four years between age 12 to 16, which is where I'd say most people have the um, the majority of their, their growth as a player. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be my simple answer. Well, why, do you think, why do you think that is? I actually going um, just going back slightly. I don't think you need to. I wasn't pers- pressing you to answer the question. I don't think there's a, a finite. You are no, one. No, or you you aren't the other. It obviously it, it evolves. It's just interesting to get your perspective on what coaches or others may may talk about. Just going back to what you've mentioned a minute ago. What? Why do you think that is? Why do you feel like you're better prepared, or there's been this big growth from this experience? going overseas uh so to to touch on the why 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 do i think i was a late developer i think uh possibly there's a genetic factor and being you know i'm a small guy i'm still only sitting at i tell people i'm five foot eight but i know i'm probably just under five foot seven um and when when you're 14 15 that makes a massive difference you know i was five foot two five foot three playing with you know people like louis mace and ben charles who are pushing six foot big big lads um, and they could bowl the ball at, you know, 65 mile an hour at that age. And I could barely hit it off the square or I had to toss it up miles above the island to get it down the other end. I think that's a massive factor. Um, and also, um, um, I, I, don't, I don't like um, labelling this as a factor because it makes me seem like I'm complaining, but it's not. I think this is the way should, things should be is, is the fact that, at private schools, kids have a lot of a lot of training from a younger age. And going to a state school, the only training I had was once a week on a Friday for an hour with a group of, you know, 20 other kids. Um, so that I think there's there's a few factors, but you can all they're 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 indicators. You can always overcome them. It's it's not it's not set in stone. Um but again, they're really interesting points though. Mm. Um, particularly from a training age point of view. So mm. being now in a position where you, you've been able to catch up or make inroads into that deficit of playing opportunities from young ages. Yeah. You'll never be able to quantify how much exactly. one and, person has and that's against a specific another, reason. But... Yeah, that's a specific reason why I, I, I want to make it known I'm not I'm not blaming, you know, the reason why I'm, oh, I'm not a, a professional cricketer, I'm not a superstar. Yeah, I'm not blaming it on the fact that when I was younger, I didn't have as much opportunities as... Um, as some other kids, I, 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 yeah, I want to make it very obvious. I was never blaming it on that because it's still, that's a terrible mentality to have. You can't just give up because you um, didn't have the opportunity. Sorry. Yeah. You, you continue. Now. No, I think you're absolutely right. And it, 
for me it shows that when you make that time up or try make inroads it's not always necessarily linear and it, it does take mm. a period of time interestingly you mentioned about the the late physical development being um, young in your year what research would class as a q4 fourth yep. quarter always having to compete against some of the early birthdays yes the yes challenges that's of a good being point. in a chronological age group of under 10s there may mm. in some cases have been 9, 10, 11 months, 12 months, almost 12 months difference between yeah. peer-to-peer players. And it takes a period of time now at the, at the age that you are, not by any means that you're old, but those things start to even out. So yeah. physically, development is comparable or starts to be comparable to others. Training age looks different as people's journeys change. Mm. What else did you really take? I'm interested in the the journey overseas and your time playing in Australia. What else did you take away from from that experience? It's one that I'm sure lots of young players or will want to do, or lots have done. Um, what did you really enjoy about it, or what, what was a real benefit from from going? So, so my first, my my experience overseas was really my first um, opportunity to to train. Um, all the time so I was on the um, on the the ICP which is a program in Sydney the international cricket program if if anyone is is able to to do that I would massively recommend it and um, it's a program that runs from October to December in Sydney Um, a cricketing program you're training every day well not every day seven days a week four days a week and you get a rest on Friday and you usually have games on Saturday and Sunday for your club they act as an agency for clubs so sorry they set you up with a club um, and you go and play for them. They 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 have accommodation. Um, they have a partnership with the University of New South Wales. So you're living in the heart of Sydney. And that that first experience from those three months was massive for my development because it it was my first opportunity of being able to train every single day, train as much as I as I want as I felt I needed to. Um, and then um, the second half was more about personal growth and figuring out my own my own um uh my own let me think of the word but my own routines and procedures that i wanted to to go about before the game before the game and during the game to make sure i was performing at the the highest level that i could um and also a massive thing is it's literally just playing in other conditions and learning how to bowl to um to players in different conditions like australia's notoriously bouncy there's not as much um, purchase sideways as there is so I had to adjust you know my wrist position and stuff like that when I was bowling and I could sit on the crease a lot more and it's learning about um, you know you could get pitches like that in England where it's really flat it bounces comes onto the bat really well and you you can't you can't play it like you can your standard you know village pitch on a Saturday or a Sunday Um, so learning about how to adapt in different conditions was a massive 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 factor Um, and I think the ultimate point that I would have to make is I'm playing another season when everyone else is not. That would be my, my number one. So that ties we spoke about before that additional time playing the game mm. can be, be really beneficial. I'm actually, I'm interested to ask you, you talked about the, like the tactical development from perspective of more bounce, less purchase, for mm. to find different solutions. How did you do that? Was that your in curiosity or intuition to try and find ways? Was it guidance from coaches? 
Um, so does it does that come from you as a characteristic? That's just what George Tate does, or did you yeah, have support to find those solutions? I, well, I I um, I had two main people that I that I tried to work really close with, close with as bowlers in Australia um, to try and find solutions for that. And one was was a coach on the ICP was Jason Crager. Um, played a couple of test matches for Australia. Really, really, really great, great bowler and really knowledgeable. Um, and and we spoke a lot about. Um, he was the reason I changed my grip to try and get more revs on the ball, um, which would obviously in turn allow me to get more purchase on surfaces that, that don't usually allow for that. Um, and then the other guy was the, the first grade spinner at the club I was at, a lad called Jane Park, um, who's a really good, like he, he's played a couple of games for New South Wales, second 11 when he was really young. He had a similar path to me in the sense it was very non-linear. He was very good at a young age and then, and, and and went through a stage where he 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 was dropped from sides. He was playing third grade, and 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 then came back to now being in the New South Wales sort of setup again, playing some second second eleven games, some future some futures games. Um, so I worked a lot with him, and and, and tactics we spoke about um, were, you know, if you're going to get less purchasing, you're going to be less threatening to directly. Dis- we talked about directly dismissing someone, so you know, bowling them with one delivery. Um, like bowling them through the gate or nicking them off if it's a left hand or getting them LBW um, just from a, a simple mistake from the batter and indirectly getting them out where you spend four, five, six overs being really tight, not letting them get off strike and then letting that frustration build up. That's going to be a massive source of wickets um, in conditions where um, it's not as easy to get wickets. You have to you have to build that pressure. And, and, and the simplest we found the simplest solutions were, were always the best ones. Bowling as many dot balls as you can in the right area. Um, still looking to, to threaten with spin, but obviously if the conditions aren't allowing for it, you can't force that to happen. Um, that was one real tactical development that I found. And do you think that actually in some way, many ways you've um, developed or had some success through, through, through simplicity by making it more simple? Did that oh, help you? Absolutely, absolutely, and that that that's an example of something I've had to learn. My my academic um, side of 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 my life actually um, um, hinders my cricket because I I I would I love to overthink. I say I love to overthink my cricket. I have a terrible habit of overthinking my cricket, and it it sometimes it's great to to analyse, but it can actually make it seem so much more complicated than it is. Um, I remember there was a, a lad um, who was a first grade player. In, in Australia, who said the game is only the game is always as simple as you make it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's just about it's just about enjoying the game and, and bowling a cricket ball, hitting a cricket ball, catching a cricket ball. You can do all the stuff in the world that you want, but it, it's always as difficult as you make it. So that that was a massive um, factor. Yeah, I would definitely say the simplest solution um, I always found to be the most effective. That should always be your plan A is the simplest solution. And then, I, I, I love that. I think that's yeah. really great advice for um, lots of players. And then your plan, but you know, came. B and C should get, or if they have to, they get more complicated as necessary, but your simplest solution should always be your plan A. That's really interesting. And actually, I think whilst you uh, say that sometimes you can spend time overanalyzing, in mm. many ways, actually, by increasing that pool of knowledge, having support from those coaches that you've mentioned and players, finding methods, you almost then can refine with the knowledge. The challenge for you is obviously being able to 
to do that and learn as you play and, and experience different conditions. And it'd be mm. really interesting to see whether not a newfound simplicity, it's not that, but th- th- those experiences and that journey really helps you into into from this point on when we get to play and, and looking ahead, which is probably where it'd be great to end. Where where is it that you aspire to to go? I know there's that burning drive and I'm sure it's gonna be aspirational. Where where do you want that endpoint to be? Um so if I there's multiple answers to this question. So the sim- simplest answer I could give you, talking about simplicity again, the simplest answer I could give you is I I would love to end my career being one of the best players that has played cricket, which is obviously a massively, massively huge statement. And the likelihood of that happening is is very small. But that that I, w- I would never be happy with anything less than what I feel I could have reached to as the absolute maximum. And obviously the absolute maximum for any player is that. So why I, I'm not going to set my bar any lower than that. But the end point for me at the moment, the goal is to sign a contract. So I, I have a, a slight plan for that. I want to, at university, I want I want to use that setup and use hopefully um, the stuff that's going to happen with, with North Hans over the winter to to get myself into the second eleven setup um, for, for professional counties. Um, and then hopefully, ideal, ideal scenario is finish my four-year degree at university, either with a contract or um, looking promising to sign one. That is my number one goal at the moment. And then once I get there, um, I, I really want to do as much as I can. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me that that's your answer. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, it should be, because I know you're very determined to achieve the goals that you have. If that wasn't to work out, mm-hmm. which it, it's, it's something knows, that you would considered... hope that you achieve the best that you can. What what would be George Tate's next path? Um, so I'm going to university to study physics, so or theoretical physics in 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 um, detail. Uh, so the good thing about that course is if cricket fails, which is something I've I've considered as a definite possibility, because obviously I'm not. I have no no security in cricket at the moment whatsoever. Um, if that fails, I I, I still want to I want to finish uni with a first. You know, I want to I want to have I want to give myself every opportunity um, to to go down a, any path I want. Um, I'm still not sure. I couldn't give you a particular field that I want to go into. I know I have some options. I, I I'm interested in going into stuff like economics or possibly law, um, or maybe even staying in academia and 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 being a lecturer um or or a teacher in a school um but there's obviously up and downsides to both of those um on a slightly abstract note i've i'm i'm doing a course in foreign exchange trading forex trading um so hopefully um i can use that as a as a source of revenue if well whether or not cricket works out that will that will be a constant i'll still hopefully be um consistent in that but yeah, if 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 George Tate doesn't become a cricketer, I'd I'd say um, yeah, I I I have I I would like to think I have options in in possible career paths outside of cricket from the. And I actually think of... that the fact you're not sure is okay because yeah we know given the honesty and work ethic that's evidenced just in our conversation that you're gonna you're gonna commit fully to whatever you decide to do or whatever mm. path you you do end up and obviously everyone associated with cricket hopes it's the 
it's plan A and that's the route that you, know, you end up pursuing. We can see you playing on the TV. Final thing, just to wrap up the podcast. Yeah, you had some key messages for young players, mm. pathway players in Oxfordshire or wider. Mm. What would you, what would the George Tate that can look back on his time in the pathway say to those players? Um, what advice a, would you give? That's a very good question. Um, I would, I would have to say something that my mum always always used to say to me: make it, just make it happen. If you have any any form of uncertainty or doubt about yourself, take that out of the question and make it happen. Um, that, that would be my one. Don't, if you really, if you really want it, it's, it's a very tough statement for me to make at the moment because I'm, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm still following this, um, this mindset as someone who's not successful as I'd like to be yet is just make it happen and work as hard as you absolutely can. Um, it's, it's, it's a very overused statement, but it, it it's overused, but under followed. If that makes sense, makes perfect sense. That would be that would be my absolute, exactly. That would be my absolute statement. Is um, is make it happen. Oh, that's a great way to to end our conversation. I think George, thank you very much. Um, thank you. Firstly, Andy. for your honesty in mm. in the answers, really ma- maturely done and really insightful for for players listening, but also for potentially for parents in the, in the system or to be in the system at some point in time. So thank you very much from everyone at Oxfordshire Cricket for that. And of course, we wish you all the best with your preparations for hopefully the return of cricket. Not yeah. too far away. Yeah.